I want to say thanks as I start off today to my good friend Perry Atkinson and all the good folks in Medford, Oregon at the Dove TV and radio station. I want to thank them for their investment in the ministry of this podcast by providing an EVRE20 professional broadcast mic. These are expensive rigs, and I want to thank you guys for investing in our show. Uh, We're moving toward the 100th episode. This is number 93. And uh, I want to say thanks to everybody for uh, giving us uh, good comments on uh, whatever platform you're you're receiving this. If you're listening to us on the iTunes uh, platform, please uh, make a comment there. Give us a rating. And, and thanks for all the feedback that you give me. It's really encouraging. Well, today we're in Acts chapter 10. We're going to read verses 24 through 28. And this is the second part of the story about Peter and his encounter with Cornelius and the beginning of the Gentile harvest that uh, eventually just swells until uh, Christianity reaches way outside the Jewish uh, origins that it had and it becomes a global faith that covers the entire planet and there's people from all the nations uh, who follow Jesus and who embrace him as Lord. And this is today's story is where it all starts. Uh, it began, I can give you a little back, back story real quick. Uh, it began with a Gentile man. He was not a Jew. He was not included in early Christianity. Uh, and, but he did love God and he was seeking God and God sent an angel to speak to him and told him to send to a, a town that was a, a little distance away, a, a good long day's walk uh, and so he is a uh, an occup- he's part of the Roman occupying force. He is a centurion. He's in charge of of his whole uh, division within the army, and uh, he sends two of his men down to get Peter because the angel told him to. And so he sends for Peter, and Peter shows up. And we're going to pick up the story when Peter enters his house. Now, another part of the backstory is that Peter has been trained by his family and by his culture and even by his religion, as it often happens, uh, to be racially prejudiced. He believes he is superior to all Gentile people. He believes that actually to touch them uh, gives you, you know, it's like cooties. Uh, it, it gives you disease spiritually. It defiles you. And uh, they, they actually, the rabbis had it down to three degrees. If, uh, if you touched a Gentile, you were unclean. If I touched you, I was unclean. If my wife touched me, she was unclean. After three uh, levels of uncleanness, then the next person that got touched, it's okay. Uh, and uh, they just worked so hard to stay away from Gentile people and saw them as a general defilement. And here's God uh, reaching out to Peter and telling Peter to go inside a Gentile house. And this is really going to stretch Simon Peter. You know, he was raised the way he was raised, and his mind has what his mind has in it. And this is the beginning of God unpacking uh, a lifetime of bad learning and helping him to see things differently. And I don't think Peter's alone in this. I mean, all over the world, and it doesn't matter what your race is, We've all been told things about other groups of people, and that's just a normal thing that cultures do to insulate themselves and to strengthen themselves against other groups. But it gets in the way of the harvest, and when you hear Christians uh, say things that you know are just blatant racism, 
uh, you know, we need to be better than that. And it, it has a huge impact on the harvest. So uh, let's start our story. Verse 24 says that when he entered, when Peter came to the house, the house was full of people. Cornelius has sent and he's called all of his relatives and he's called his friends and they've gathered into his house to hear what Peter has to say. And when Peter enters the door, Cornelius bows low to the ground, falls at his feet. And the, uh, you know, this is interesting because as far as Rome is concerned, Cornelius is Peter's authority. He has absolute military authority over his area. And yet, you know, here's Cornelius, who you really have to love. I mean, this guy is a natural influencer. He's risen in the ranks to be in charge of his division as the centurion. But he's a man of contagious faith. He's a warrior, or he wouldn't have his job. But he's tender in his heart, and he's hospitable. He uses his money to bless other people. He fasts, and he's an earnest seeker of God. And his family has moved down to be with him, and he has friends now, and he invites all of them to come in. And uh, as he bows down on the ground, Peter does something that's a really good uh, ministry lesson. He tells him to stand up. You know, it's our duty as ministers to stop inordinate praise. I mean, I've been in churches and I've seen some really strange things. I've seen uh, pastors who have their own sort of secret service thing. And there's all these guys with jackets who are talking into their wrist uh, microphones. You know, the eagle is leaving the study and they walk them out to the platform and, you know. This is so bogus. It's just about all that is is being insecure. And it's just a personal insecurity, and we're trying to project ourselves as big people. And you work really hard, and if you can brainwash a whole congregation, they really do amazing (laughs) uh, subservient things. And it's just wrong. It's so opposite of how Jesus lived, and it's one more of those things that we really need to get rid of in Christianity if we're going to be true to the Lord. And Peter is true to the Lord. He stops this the minute it starts. You know, it's one thing for people to appreciate you as a, as a leader. It's another thing for you to allow them to grovel and to um, uh, just fawn all over you. And, uh, you know, you're the great one. They're nothing. And you, you just have to stop that. And Peter knows, just stop it. He says, stand up. I'm a man just like you. Verse 27 says, Peter went in. He began to talk with them. And this is a ministry principle, too. He he understands that we say it this way at Media Light: bonding is the first principle in ministry. They don't care how much you know till they know how much you care, and you need a personal connection with people before you open your mouth to speak on behalf of the Lord. And Peter understands this, and he gets to know the people, and then he does something else that's really good. Uh, he clarifies. He will ask them a question: Why did you send for me? He doesn't just wade into it. But I love what happens in verse 28. Peter is transparent with them. He opens his heart. He admits his prejudices. He admits that in in his religion and in his uh, culture, he's not even to touch them or get near them. Verse 28, but God has shown me, and would that God would show this to everybody. God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. This actually became a really big issue, and I wish the whole New Testament church had gotten hold of this, uh, but they didn't. Uh, Peter got it, and others got it. Paul got it. took him a while, but he got it. Um, but the acceptance of Gentile believers was a real, it was a New, church, uh, New Testament church issue, 
And the Gentiles just kept growing, and you know, God just kept doing what he was doing. Jesus told them, I have sheep you don't know anything about. I have other flocks, and we are the flock. So Peter asked Cornelius, why did you send for me? And Cornelius explains, I was fasting. This is interesting all by itself. You know, there are earnest seekers of God in Islam and Hinduism and Buddhism and Mormonism and Scientology and New Age movement and anything you want to, you know, you want to point to. There are earnest seekers of God. Now, they don't know the way. The thing that they are in is a, it's a cult. It's got twisted doctrine. They don't understand God properly. They don't understand Jesus and his work properly. And yet they are seeking. They are seeking to know it. And God is not ignorant to this. He is reaching out to them in love. And God needs messengers who can explain things completely and can show these people the entrance into the kingdom and can tell them what God requires of them. And that's what Peter is sent to do this time. Cornelius tells him, I was fasting, verse 31, God said for me to sin for you, down to verse 33, Cornelius says, and you did well to obey God also. You know, I know you've got your prejudices to get past, and I know that you know you might even be in trouble with your people for doing this, but I obeyed God And it's good that you obey God. And we are here to listen and receive God's word from you, verse 33. So speak on. Both these men are natural leaders. Both of them are breaking down barriers and biases in this moment. It's a beautiful breakthrough moment that will lead to a Gentile uh, Christianity. I mean, Christianity started as an entirely 100% Jewish faith that then spilled over and others poured in and it's just beautiful it's the world's global faith you go to all over this planet you will find secret believers and open believers and at that moment peter has a revelation again verse 34 peter goes he opens his mouth to preach and then he goes wow i just got a per- i just got a revelation i just got a perception from god and he says i get it God shows no partiality. Now, the Greek word for that means God shows no bias. God does not treat one person or group as inferior or superior to another group. God does not discriminate. You know, Peter's saying, I get it now. People are prejudiced and people do show discrimination, but God does not. It is contrary to his heart, and it is contrary to his character to judge anyone by their skin, their gender, their culture, their status, their amount of money. He understands the heart of God now. You know, it's important for teachers to be learners and for talkers to be listeners. Peter learned something within five minutes of entering a Gentile house for the very first time in his life. Verse 35, Peter says, Here's the, here's the rest of his revelation. In every nation, and the word nation he uses is not a uh, sovereign state, it, it is ethnos. In every ethnic group, whoever respects God, whoever fears the Lord, and whoever, secondly, does what is right to do, whoever works righteousness, is the way Peter says it, is accepted 
by him. You know, action faith is required. Uh, it's not that their works have earned their way, because we'll see later uh, all through the scripture that our works are filthy rags, that they're just not sufficient. But our work is a true indication of the sincerity of our heart toward God. And you don't have to look very far in the teachings of Jesus to see that God is not interested in just the words of our mouth. And this whole notion that faith is just saying some words about God and that on the the basis of saying some words about God, you are now saved, you know, that's that's just such a a weak foundation. You're not going to be able to prove that version of salvation through Christ. Yes, it's by faith, but where is faith? You know, is faith just that I say I believe a thing? Well, read Jesus top to bottom without interruption. Just read all of his words and you tell me what you find. And I can already tell you, you're going to find that God believes that what you do is your faith. What you actually act on is the uh, the revelation of the truth about your heart. So when Zacchaeus says, I'm giving away half my money to the poor because I know I stole it and I'm going to give it back and I'm going to give back even more. And Jesus says, you're saved. You know, he didn't need a big prayer. He didn't need anything. He said, your heart changed. I can tell because you're going to do something about it. So the indication of your faith is not the words that come out of your lips. It's what you do. And that's what Peter says. God is looking in all the nations for people who respect him and for people who do what is right to do. And those people are acceptable with him. And he preaches to them, verse 36, he says, The word that God has sent me is to preach peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. I've come here to preach to you peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. That's the gospel message in a nutshell, and Peter goes on to preach that word. He says in verse 37 something interesting interesting to me. He says, you know about this, verse 37. You know about this. See, they live in a Jewish place, and Peter says, you've been pre-evangelized. You've been interacting with uh, pious Jews, and they have talked to you about the Jesus controversy. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing everyone who was oppressed by the devil. For God is with him. And Peter goes on, you know, the, he, he's going to explain to them the, the cross, the crucifixion, the resurrection. And he says, we are witnesses. This is all a true story. You've heard this story about a man who came back from the dead, allegedly. And Peter says, we're witnesses of it. It's the truth, and this is what God wants you to know. And whoever, verse 43, believes in him will receive the remission of their sins. The gospel has power to release a move of God, and we're about to see it. Peter says, whoever believes it, whoever acts on it, whoever truly engages Jesus, believes it, and accepts him, will receive the remission of their sins. Their sins are going to be wiped out. Now, Paul says later, I am not ashamed of the gospel. When you stand up and speak the gospel, it has the power of God to bring salvation. And Peter opens his mouth, and all of a sudden, this power from the Holy Spirit 
just flows into this room. While Peter is still speaking, verse 44, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And those who were of the circumcision, that's the other Jewish believers with him, were astonished. It's a common word in the book of Acts. (laughs) They were astonished. As many of them as came with Peter because the gifts of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, and they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Um, you know, these guys are amazed because these people are having the exact same experience that the Gentile, that the Jews had on the day of Pentecost. They are speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit has anointed them with languages from heaven. And uh, again, evidence that tongues were a clear and expected sign of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the release of God's power and ministry gifts in a person's life. They expected to see something supernatural happen to a person when you became born again. They didn't expect just a little warming of your heart. They expected that a supernatural event was going to take place and you were going to have the power of God released in you, and there was going to be some kind of evidence. And when they saw this evidence, not just that Gentiles now knew the gospel, or even that they accepted it, but that the evidence exploded in them, and they were also now filled with the very same spirit that all of them had. And as far as their logic is going to carry, they had all the miracle power, they had all the anointing, everything Jesus left for them, He had now shared with all of these people. And Peter looks at them and he makes a a leadership decision as a pastor. He says, you people need to be baptized in water. And he baptizes them. Now he has to turn to his brothers actually and say, can anybody here forbid me to baptize these people? Can you find a biblical reason why I can't baptize these people? Because it's what Jesus told us to do when people turned to him. And no one could object to it. They had God's own evidence. Now, friends, if you haven't been baptized in water, you need to be baptized. It was the immediate thing that Peter thought of. Uh, Jesus said, repent and be baptized. It's the washing away of your past. It is your uh, new birth, your acceptance as a new newborn baby coming out of that bag of waters. And it is the beginning of your embrace In the children of God, you become full members of God's community, God's family. And so Peter reaches out his arms and he embraces the Gentile people. He puts hands on them, he baptizes them in water, and he lays hands on them and prays for them. And God begins (laughs) this mighty ripple movement that continues to go around the world. My friends, God is reaching out to people, to sincere seekers around the world. And they may be from the exact people group that your, uh, your culture tells you not to get around. And if you'll go, God will use you. But, you know, when you go and you open your mouth to speak the gospel to somebody, uh, you need to learn to expect God to use you and expect that grace is going to be with them and that power is going to be upon you and that the Father is going to use you. He used Peter in a mighty way, and he wants to use you and use me also. Well, that's all for this episode of Thread. If you want to write to me, please write to me directly, chuck at quinley.com. I would love to hear from you. See you next time on Thread.